dare you to move. This is the challenge that we're going to kind of come back to every week for the month of August. So if you missed last week, I encourage you to jump online and catch that message so you kind of get the foundation for what we're trying to do here. Um, about 200 of you, I think, are going through the Jesus Dare reading plan with us. So thank you so much for joining us in that. If you didn't get a chance to do that, you can sign up for the, the reading plan today and you can kind of get caught up and read with us. We're just reading some passages about Jesus and answering a couple questions uh, every day uh, through, through the next, uh, next two weeks now. So hope you'll jump in with us on that. Today we're going we're gonna to talk about movement and I'm going to challenge you to, to move. I'm going to challenge you to take a physical step uh, that will demonstrate your faith today. So uh, buckle up, or if you just feel like you need to go, you can, like, if you don't want that, just, now's your chance. Take off. Uh, we will write your name down as you leave. Um, but let's talk about road trips. Uh, road, road trip people, who, who enjoys road trips? You enjoy, like, let's get in the car and let's just drive for a while. Most of you are like, nope, uh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I, don't, I don't love them either. But we do them because we got places to go that are not here, right? There are places outside of Indiana that are cool. We can all agree on that. Uh, whether you're from here or not, there are other places. We don't have oceans and stuff, so we go places. And the, and the, the place that we go, a lot of us, is we go from here to here, right? How many of you have made that trip? You've, you've gone from your home in Indiana to somewhere down here in sweaty Florida. So you're either Gulf Coast, some of you are Gulf Coast people, some of you are like Atlantic Ocean people, but either way, you've, you've made that trip. And there, there are things about road trips uh, that uh, you probably have your family road rules. You know, there are things that you do and that you, you've kind of, these are the rules of our family. My rule is, let's not stop. <laughs> that's just, that's my preference. That's my desire. Let's not stop. I, I can make it from here to there without a bathroom stop. I don't know if that's healthy. That's probably, I've heard that's not good for your body. I don't care. I can do it, all right? So it's only, it's only for the love of my wife and kids that we stop for the bathroom, and it drives me insane. Like, we can stop for lunch, and the kids will drink a quart of sweet tea, and I will beg them, please go to the bathroom before we leave. Please go to the bathroom. I don't need to go. Yes, you do. I don't need to go. Go anyway. I don't care. Just go. We get back on the road half an hour later. Dad, I got to go. I, we just stopped. Are you kidding? Like, but I'm, I'm told it's not healthy for them to hold it like that. I don't know. I'm fine. I do it all the time. So we stop and half an hour later. It drives me crazy because I've got, we're trying to get somewhere. You know, we're not here to visit all the rest areas on the way. We're trying to go somewhere. So um, there are things that bug you too. Traffic, most of you are, are like, let's, let's get out the Waze app or whatever it is that you use, and try to avoid traffic as much as we can. Let's just go around it. Most of you have some anxiety attacks right around in here. Little village called Atlanta. Uh, listen, I'm from there, so I can tell you the best way uh, to get through Atlanta. Do you want to know? The insider secret, the best way is at 30,000 feet. If you just fly, like, that's the best way. So you're welcome. That's my piece of advice. Um, Traffic, it drives us nuts because it's stopping us. It's holding us back from getting where we want to go. We're so anxious to just move down the road. Here's how terrible we are. And I, so maybe you're not as terrible as I am, but I'm going to confess something. You're probably all going to be like, oh, what a terrible person. Even when we stop in traffic because of an accident, my first thought is usually, oh, this is how long is this going to set us back? Instead of, I, I hope everybody's okay. Can we, let's stop and pray for everybody that's 
Like that should be my first thought, but I'm so anxious. Let's just get down the road. I'm like, come on, people, have your accident somewhere else. Like we got places to go. I mean, isn't that awful? But that's what we do because we're trying to get somewhere. And we don't want anything to slow us down. We don't want anything to hold us back from getting to this place that we can't wait to get to. What if we took the same approach to our spiritual journey? What if we had this same mentality that, that I've got somewhere I'm trying to be. I've got a person that God's trying to make me into. I'm supposed to be this, this Jesus-following husband that loves my wife and sacrifices for her. I'm supposed to be this Jesus-following father who's intentional with my kids and raising them up to know the Lord. And I want to get there. And anything that tries to get in my way, I, I'm going to consider it a problem to solve. I'm going I'm to figure out ways around that stuff. I don't want anything to hold me back from becoming the person that God created me to be. I have this relationship with God I'm supposed to be experiencing. I'm, I'm supposed to trust him so much. I don't make any decisions without praying. I, I'm supposed to be so confident in his provision that I will give more than I should give because I know God is gonna take care of me. That's the kind of relationship I wanna have with him. And anything that gets in my way should, should be considered an obstacle I need to figure out how to get around. I don't want anything to slow me down, but that's not how we approach our faith journey, is it? For most of us, our faith journey is kind of like this, you know, it, let's, let's, get, let's see how far we can go, like maybe here, what's right there? Cincinnati, and let's just kind of go, eh, this is far enough. Has anyone ever said that about Cincinnati? No. Cincinnati, you go through there because you're on your way somewhere else, right? So you don't, you don't get to Cincinnati and go, eh, this is far enough, we'll, just, we'll stay here. But we do this with our faith all the time. We get to a place where we're like, I know the next step is going to be hard. I know it's going to cost me something to keep going. Right now, I'm just going to church once a week. Feels good. Anything beyond that, they're going to ask me to give my time. They're probably going to ask me to give my money, those evil people. They're going to ask me to do something I don't want to do. So I'd rather just stay here. And God's like, there, Cincinnati? Do you have any idea what I have in store for you and you want to stay there? Listen, if you're from Cincinnati, I really am sorry. I'm not trying to, uh, I apologize. I'm sure it's a wonderful town. They just need a baseball team. What, this is not, what are you all Reds fans all of a sudden? What in the world just happened? Name one player for the Reds. Okay, all right, just kidding. Um, they traded him, by the way. <laughs> uh, all right. I think what we need is a different perspective on our faith journey. There's not like this path that God has invited us to where we, we have these options to just pull off and stay, right? We, there's not this place where we get to where we go, I've gone far enough. I, I went from not loving Jesus to loving Jesus. I went from not being baptized to being baptized. I, I went from not going to church to going to church. I'm here. I, I'm as far as I really want to go as I really need to go. That's not how it actually works. When Jesus invites us into an eternal kind of life, right? Jesus's focus is not on, well, let's just try to get you from, from on your way to hell to on your way to heaven, and, and then you can stop there. Jesus is inviting us into an eternal kind of life, and Paul is going to describe that eternal kind of life for us here in Colossians chapter 2. So I hope you're ready for this. Open your Bibles if you have one. If not, follow along on the screen. Uh, and uh, be patient with me because we're going to go slow. 
This eternal kind of life. So let's remember who Paul is talking to here. He's talking to a group of people who have already said yes to Jesus. They've already said, we want to make Jesus the center of our lives. He makes this clear in uh, chapter 1, verse 13, when he says that, that God has delivered you from the domain of darkness and transferred you to the kingdom of the Son he loves. Those two words are big. He has delivered you and transferred you. Who did it? You did it? Nope, he did it. He delivered you. He transferred you. You've bought into this. You've said yes to this. Now, what kind of person are you to be? Let's pick up in chapter 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, you have been delivered and transferred. So walk in him. This very important language. It's really easy just to slide right by that. But he is not saying, hey, since you have said yes to Jesus, you're good. Just, just take a break. Just, just find a place where you're comfortable and camp out there because you've been delivered and transferred. He said, no, because you have been delivered and transferred, walk in him. Move with Jesus. Jesus is a dynamic savior. If you're going to make him the center of your life, you need to understand he is going to be moving. And so he can't stay at the center of your life if you stand still because he's moving. So you've got to move with him if you're going to keep him at the center. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So let me ask you, have you gotten comfortable in your faith? When was the last time that you were really challenged to do something that doesn't make sense unless God is real? When was the last time you shared what Jesus is doing in your life with a friend? When was the last time you had something to share? When was the last time that you gave more than you're comfortable giving? Many of us give right at that level of comfort. Okay, uh, this I'm okay with. I think we can give this, and I can still do all the things I want to do and, and, and you know, have the future I want to have. When was the last time you went beyond that? When was the last time you invited someone to Sunday morning worship or to your microchurch? Or you just invited some friends that you know they don't know Jesus, and you just invited them over for dinner? When was the last time you did something that only makes sense if you're following Jesus. Paul says, you have received Christ, and now you've got to walk in him. You've got to show it. Let's continue. Verse 7. Walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. I really hope that you will go back and dive into this verse a little deeper, because those four words, phrases are really huge. Rooted, built up, established, abounding. You need to dive into that. If you're in a microchurch, you guys are going to look into that a little more this week. Um, if you're doing the reading plan, this is today's reading. Uh, and so I want you to dive into that deeper. But these words describe a life with Jesus at the center, rooted, built up, established, abounding in thanksgiving. Does that describe your life? These words describe the life of someone who, this is not just something they do on the weekends. This is their very identity. This is the kind of person that, if, if you were to meet them, and you would say, hey, um, tell, tell me a little bit about yourself. Their answer would be, the most important thing that you can know about me is I follow Jesus. That's the most important thing I can tell you about me. I don't follow him perfectly. I'm a work in progress. But this is the most important thing in my life is to follow Jesus. That's the kind of person that's being described here. Does that describe you? Verse 8 See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, 
and not according to Christ. Paul is warning these people, hey, listen, I know that this movement, this Christianity thing is only a few decades old. It, it, it may have just come to your town a couple years ago, but there are already people trying to bring in false teaching, false ideas into Christianity. One of those was called Gnosticism. That was kind of floating around at the time. It was very popular Greek philosophy that said, hey, there's, there's like another level of special knowledge that you guys don't know about. And, uh, you know, for the right price or if you, you know, kind of learn the right handshakes, we can, we can let you into this special knowledge that'll make you a much, much higher, you know, in God's eyes. And Paul said, that's, that's nonsense. You, you have everything you need in Christ. In fact, he, he continues in verse 9. He says, For in him, that is Jesus, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head and rule of all rule and authority. He says, Jesus has everything about God in him, and you have Jesus. So what else is there? Like, how could there be something beyond Jesus that you need to know? Paul says, there's not. There's nothing beyond Jesus that you need to know. Because Jesus, in Jesus, is everything that you need to know about God. And you have Jesus. Essentially, you have everything you need to be the person that God called and created you to be if you walk in Christ. Verse 11. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism. All right, we're going to talk about this. Guys, don't tense up on me. Just relax. It's going to be okay. Circumcision uh, was God's idea when, when he set Abraham apart and said, like, all your descendants are going to be my people. We're going to call them my chosen people. They're going to represent me to the world. And uh, I have an idea about how to let you guys know that I have set you apart and made you special and he explained circumcision to Abraham. Can you imagine Abraham as a senior citizen going, uh, question, have you, have you thought of tattoos? Have you considered tattoos? Can we, can we try that? What about like a piercing, like just a simple ear thing, or I'll even go with the nose, like there has to be another way, right? And God said, nope, we're going to do circumcision. And as a senior citizen, Abraham was circumcised in all the males in his line because they were set apart, they were marked by God. These are my people. And what does he say is like circumcision? Now you don't have to be circumcised. What do you do? You get baptized. Baptism, baptism is this physical representation of a spiritual reality. Just as God said, you are my spiritual people, and so we're gonna put a physical mark on you. He says, when, when you put Jesus at the center, we're gonna put this physical step, this physical action that marks you as mine, and that's baptism. Because we need an, a connection between the physical and the spiritual. We need that. Let me tell you about my friend, uh, Jerry. Jerry, over the last few months, has, uh, has really dived deep into a brand new relationship with God. Uh, I got a picture of Jerry. I'll show you. This, this is Jerry. Uh, he, he has decided that, that Jesus is the only way for him to have the life that he was created to have. And he... He is a new person. He has begun to pray every day. He reads the Bible every day. He has conversations about Jesus with people every day. He's brand new. And he decided that he wanted there to be a physical demonstration of this new Jerry, 
I want people to know that I'm new. I want to be able to look in the mirror and be reminded that I'm brand new in Christ. So here's what he did. I'll show you the next picture. He grew his hair out for 12 years. No haircuts for 12 years. And he just told me, he said, man, there's a lot of bad, there's a lot of bad Jerry tied up in that hair. I'm moving on. I'm brand new. And so he did something physical to demonstrate the spiritual change. And this is what God has called us to in baptism, a physical representation of a spiritual event. He, he goes on about baptism. Let's continue uh, verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. Paul says, you, you are moving with Jesus from death to life. This is what you're doing. You're moving from death to life. Remember verse 13 of chapter one, that you have been transferred, you've been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of the son. You're moving from death to life. Jesus has called us into is not just a better morality. I think this is kind of how we look at it sometimes is, is God kind of wants to take bad people and turn them into good people. And so he uses church to do that. Isn't that kind of, I mean, it's kind of an oversimplification, but isn't that how a lot of people look at it? God wants to take bad people and make them good people. And, and so we go to church. That's not the gospel. It's way worse than that and way better. God, God doesn't want to take bad people and turn them into good people. God wants to take dead people and turn them into living people. And he uses Jesus to do that. It's way worse. You're, if, if you're, because most of us would say, like, I'm not a bad person, you know? Like, I, I, I've, maybe I've done some bad things, but that doesn't make me a bad person. And so I'm not sure that this whole, like, I don't know if I need to go deep into this faith thing. I'm not a bad person. And God's going, it's not about that. You're a dead person. And without Christ, you're going to stay dead. But through Jesus, you can move from death to life if you move with Jesus. Let's continue uh, verse 13 there. He said, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Paul's saying, you remember the laws? You remember the rules <clears throat> that you broke? Maybe you only broke one. Maybe you broke a few. Some of you are like, I couldn't begin to count all the rules I've broken. <laughs> Many of them on purpose. Many of them with a smile on my face. You know, just, oh, you want to throw that at me? I'll, just, I'll break that one. You know, give me another one. I, I think Paul is saying, you, you are rule breakers. That's kind of who you are. But Jesus has canceled that debt that stood against us with its legal demands. And what he's saying is he has, he has moved us from law to grace. It seems like living under law would be simpler, right? Everything is black and white. These are the rules. Here's the top 10. Don't break them. You'll be fine. The problem is uh, we are uh, loophole makers, aren't we? You, the first thing you think of when you hear about a new rule is, well, let me figure out how I'm going to get around that one, right? If, you, if you've ever worked with uh, high schoolers, you know. We, we learned this early on, and teenagers are pros at it. Like, we're going to figure out a way around this. And we do the same thing with God's laws. Don't lie, right? Well, but what if, 
What if my lie makes my wife feel better about how she looks? That's a good lie, right? I've just found a loophole. God says, don't steal. And we say, well, what if, what if we take from the rich and we give to the poor? That, that sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? And we even make heroes out of that. You know, that's the whole Robin Hood mentality. We look for loopholes, and we're going to find loopholes in all the rules. And so grace just says, knock that off. No more loopholes. We're going to keep this simple. Walk with Jesus. That's, that's the rule. That's, that's the thing that you have to do. Walk with Jesus. Because Jesus is going to walk in love. Jesus' life was characterized by a perfect expression of God's love. Love for God. Love for people. He did it perfectly. And if you walk with Jesus... You're going to be okay because you're going to walk in love and you're going to do what love requires of you. And, and we're not talking about love in the sense of like, you're okay, I'm okay, everybody's okay. We're talking about love in the sense of I will sacrifice for what's best for you and I let God decide what's best. I will sacrifice for what's best for you and I let God decide what's best. That's love. That's how Jesus walked. And if you walk with Jesus, then, then the rule is, is it loving? Do it. Is it not loving? Don't do it. That'd be a, that'd be a good way to, to use our words, isn't, isn't it? If, if those words are loving, say them. If they're not loving, don't say them. <laughs> We've moved from law to grace, and, and some of you need to make that move today. Some of you have been carrying around a lot of guilt because you got a lot of stuff in your past. From, from all the rules that you broke. And you've been carrying this guilt around. And Paul is saying to you, look, if you're in Christ, he has delivered you from the domain of darkness and transferred you to the kingdom of the son he loves. He has brought you out of death and into life. You don't have to carry that around anymore. You need to be set free from that. You need to lay that down. You need to receive his forgiveness. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. But you don't have to carry that around because you're not under law. You're under grace. Let's continue. Uh, verse 14, um, he, he canceled the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. It's done. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. He disarmed rulers and authorities, the people that looked like they were going to win, and Jesus ended up being the one who won. He moves us from defeat to victory. He moves us from losers to winners. He moves us from our past to our future. Don't you love a good comeback story? When it looks like everything is lost and the good guy comes back and wins. I'll remind you of a, of a comeback story that some of you uh, will remember as soon as I start talking about it. In 2003, Indianapolis Colts were playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 12 minutes left to go in the game. They're down 28 to seven. Anybody remember this? They're down 28 to 7. Looks like all is lost. Peyton Manning starts his comeback drive. In the middle of his comeback drive, he throws a pick six, an interception, return for a touchdown. In the middle of the comeback drive. And yet they continue to score and score and score. It, it, with 12 minutes left to go in that game, if you're a betting person, you would go, nope, Colts are done. This game's over. And yet they emerge victorious 38 to 35 in overtime. You love a good comeback story, right? That's just, you're like, everybody thought we were done and yet we came back and we won. This is Jesus's story. When he's on the cross, everyone thinks it's over. This, this Jesus thing, this Christianity thing is over before it even starts. 
He's dead. The leader of this movement is dead. Nice try, but looks like it's not going to work out. But that wasn't the end. And with Jesus, it's never the end. Whatever defeat you faced in your life, there are things that are going to come at you that are going to feel like a loss, like you're taking a defeat. It's never over with Jesus. Jesus can turn defeat into victory all day long. It's what he does. If you move with Jesus, you can move from defeat to victory. So today, I'm, I'm going to dare you to move. I'm, I'm going to dare you to connect a physical action with a spiritual event. I'm going to pray that there's a spiritual event that happens in your heart this morning, that the Holy Spirit says something to you, that, that you need to move, an area where you need to move. You've gotten to a point, you got to Cincinnati, or you got to Lexington or Knoxville, and you just kind of stopped. You pulled off and you said, this is far enough for me. I'm done. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit prompts you to move today in a spiritual way and that you would demonstrate it in a physical way because we really need to make that physical connection between what's happening inside of us to what's happening outside of us. We need that. It's the, it's the reason that we stand up and applaud at concerts and sporting events and your team scores a touchdown and you, you've got this feeling in your heart that's joy and so you just sit there and you go, that was great, that was wonderful. No, you stand up and you cheer. Why do you do that? Because we have a physical expression of what's happening in us spiritually. This is why we raise our hands when we worship and we welcome God into our hearts, into this place, because there's a physical expression of what's happening inside of me. This is why we kneel to pray. God doesn't hear your prayers better. You don't pray louder when you're on your knees, but it's a physical expression of the humility that we come before God with that says, look, I'm not in control of anything. You are, I'm on my knees. Sometimes I need to be on my face. So I'm gonna ask you to make a spiritual to express a spiritual event in a physical way in just a moment. First, I'm gonna ask you to pray with me and the band's gonna come up and uh, then we're gonna finish out. Would you go ahead and stand? Let's just do that. You guys need some exercise? We'll, we'll get it going. Father, I believe that there is more for me that you want me to experience than what I'm currently experiencing. I believe there's more devotion to Christ. I believe that there's more faith that you are who you say you are. I believe there's more confidence in your word. I believe there's more love for others, more compassion for the people around me than what I'm currently experiencing. And I believe the same thing for my brothers and sisters here. There's more for us. But sometimes we stop, sometimes we are afraid. My prayer, Father, this morning is that you, through your Holy Spirit, would prompt us out of that place of complacency and comfort and into a more vibrant faith. I pray that you would do that this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Just, just for a couple minutes, let me, let me finish up. You can stay standing. You'll be okay. I don't really like swimming. I don't like being in the water at all. Uh, it's just not fun for me. I had a bad experience. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and so for my, my kids, their whole life, you know, most of the time we go to the pool and I'm sitting on the side, outside the pool, and they're in the water, playing, having a good time, begging, Dad, come on, get in the water, come on and play. And I'm like, eh. It's going to be cold. I don't like cold water. I'm going to get wet. I don't really like being wet. 
I have to change my clothes. I've got all these reasons why. I just sit on the side and I, I let them play and I regret that so much. What's wrong with me? Why, that's what you guys are thinking. Get over yourself and get in the water with your kids. I know, you're right. But what if that's what you're doing spiritually? You're watching everybody else jump in to a life of faith, a life that in some ways doesn't really even make sense to you. You're watching them do things that you don't understand. You're, you're watching them experience things that you wish you could experience, but it feels far away. And you're just kind of sitting on the side of the pool going, I don't know. It's going to be uncomfortable. It may cost me something. It may cost me time. It may cost me money. It may cost me relationships. I don't know. I don't want you to have any regrets. I don't want you to become old and bitter like me and, and look back and go, why didn't I just jump in? What if today is the day that you need to jump in? You need to make a move. Here, here are the five different areas I'm going to challenge you to move in. The first one is to move from death to life, from doubt to faith. Put Jesus at the center and be baptized into Christ. If you've never been baptized into Christ and you want Jesus to be the center of your life, this is the physical expression of a spiritual reality that you're made new. And scripture very clearly connects baptism to that newness. I'm gonna challenge you to be baptized today. And I know you got, you got concerned. You're like, well, I didn't come prepared. I don't have my stuff or whatever. We got you covered. Don't let those details hold you back today. If you need to be baptized into Christ, I dare you to move. I'm gonna dare you to move into repentance from sin to forgiveness. Some of you have been holding on to some sinful habits and they're holding you back from being who God wants you to be. And you've justified them and you have all these reasons why it's not a big deal, it's not hurting anybody, but you know that you know that you know this is not honoring to God and I need to leave this behind. I'm gonna dare you to move into repentance today. If that's the move you need to make, I'm gonna invite you while we sing this song in just a minute to come down, kneel here, let somebody pray with you, Confess your sins to God and repent and move on. Receive his forgiveness. He has promised, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's a promise right there in black and white. Maybe that's what you need to do today. I dare you to move into repentance. I dare you to move into forgiveness. Maybe there's someone who's hurt you and you're holding on to this bitterness and you have the right to hold this against them. They hurt you, but forgiveness in Christ, Jesus says, Forgive as you have been forgiven. And maybe you need to let go. I'm gonna ask you to do something absolutely crazy. If there's someone in this room that you're holding something against, I'm gonna ask you to ask for their forgiveness today. Face to face, look them in the eye or offer your forgiveness today and say, hey, I, I forgive you. I'm not gonna hold this against you anymore. I dare you to move into forgiveness. I dare you to move into service from complacency to action. If you're someone who's just been satisfied showing up here once a week and kind of singing the songs and doing the thing, but outside of Sunday morning, there's really not much of a place for faith in your life. You kind of do what you want to do. You don't really give your time for others. I'm going to dare you to move into service today, to do something for other people. If that's where you are, I'm going to challenge you to move out into our lobby to our service wall. Find somewhere where you can get plugged in and volunteer. There, there's paperwork out there. There's an app you can use to, to volunteer. I'm gonna dare you to move into service today. And finally, I'm gonna dare you to move into generosity. If you've been selfish with your resources because you've said, this, this is mine, I earned this, this stuff belongs to me, I would remind you, every good and perfect gift is from above. Everything you have is from God. And you have been given it for a reason. You've been given it to be a blessing. 
If you've never given beyond what you're comfortable giving, I'm going to dare you to move into reckless generosity today. And you can do that. You, you can do that on your app. You can go to one of our giving boxes on the back wall here that are highlighted in green and, and drop some cash, drop a check in there. I'm going to dare you to move into generosity today. Do you need to be baptized into Christ? Do you need to confess sin and repent? Do you need to forgive someone? Do you need to serve? Do you need to give? I dare you. I dare you to